Hey guys, this is Supernatural's podcast show. Yes, that's what you're listening to. This show exists to connect, equip, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level. And I trust that's why you're listening, that it's your desire to see God's kingdom come, his will be done, established in and through your creative daily contribution. It's such an honor to have you listening to the show today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Darren Stott, lead pastor of a church called Seattle Revival Center, author of a book. Yes, I wrote a book called Pattern Interrupt. Check it out on Amazon, Pattern Interrupt. Also check out the audio book, that's a good time, and founder of Supernaturalist Ministries. All kinds of crazy, amazing supernatural activity is taking place on the globe, and God is using ordinary people, a diverse collection of ordinary people, and establishing them in all kinds of crazy platforms. And that's why we're here. We're here to talk about it. We're here to celebrate it. And so um, we're having we're having a good time. In fact, if you even had a clue of the incredible conversations that have already been recorded, let alone some of the stuff that's in the works, you'd freak out. <laughs> you'd be like, ah, and stuff. So you're going to want to make sure that you're subscribing to this joint. What may be uh, SoundCloud or iTunes or YouTube, make sure that you subscribe. That'll keep weekly supernatural content flowing automatically onto your streaming device. Maybe your cell phone, your laptop, or your desktop computer. So with all that being said, let me just say today, it's episode 106 with the incredible John Thomas. As you may or may not know, John Thomas was the spiritual son of John Paul Jackson, who really acquired and stepped into the role of leading Streams Ministries, which was this, which was the equipping, the prophetic revelatory equipping ministry that John Paul Jackson gave birth to. Very seldom do you see a ministry that's able to uh, be carried on past the uh, the originator's kind of um, lifespan, and it's so cool to see an actual ministry. This isn't a church but to actually see an actual ministry um, carried on past uh, the creator, the, orig- the originator's um, uh, life, and just to not even see it carry on, but to go to the next level. That's what John Thomas is doing. John Thomas is uh, an equipper, he's an educator, but he's also an activator and empowerer. And so I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I know I love, I love every, conversation I get to have with John Thomas. He's such a gift to the earth, and I think you're going to dig it. So without any further distraction, let's dive into this empowering conversation with the one, the only, the supernaturalist, John Thomas, right here, right now, on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Let's go. Connecting, equipping, and promoting emerging supernaturalists. <laughs> Being created for such a time as yes. this. All right, and here we go. <laughs> there is more. He said, what? John Thomas, how you be? I am doing so well, man. Now, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah, so we, we started off the weekend right. And we went and got some coffee. Yes. 
and um, and what I did is I purposefully let you order first, and and they were asking you questions like questions that I've never been asked at a coffee shop before, um, and you and you started giving answers and like you're talking about V40s and V60, <laughs> V60, <laughs> and like comp composition and, yeah. and cl- I, I don't even know, and so you are like you are really big into this coffee thing, like you you yeah. really you're loving coffee like where, tell like where does that start where did this passion for yeah for, for coffee start you know it started young and it started you know sometimes you have passion that has no wisdom to it so um <laughs> <Word>. starting young <laughs> i had a I, I always grew up my dad always drank coffee and we my dad he worked all the time and usually second shift so i never got to see him but on the weekends would be the one time where we got to hang out and we'd always do something usually working on the car working on the house and we'd always have to go get food or we'd have to go get pieces or something and so we'd go stop at this little diner and i'd get to have a cup of coffee with my dad over a plate of breakfast and um so i just developed this love for coffee it was all these good memories all the best memories with my dad almost always had this cup of coffee about it so but the coffee back then i mean it was like maxwell house I was gonna say, diner diner coffee diner coffee pretty, man pretty rough situation man. cream and sugar and lots of it <laughs> come on come on come on <laughs> And then um, when, at what point did you start really getting into um, like, what do they call, what do they call this anyway? Is, is this, is this like, like craft coffee? Is that craft what they call coffee. It um, some people call it third wave. So first wave, it, it talks about the waves of coffee popularity in, in the United States. So first wave is like your Folgers, your Maxwell House, you know, chock full of nuts. The, this is like a, this is like a James Gold prophecy. First wave, second wave, third wave. <laughs> We're coming to the fourth wave. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Former so, and latter rain together. Oh, man. And then second wave actually came out of Seattle. It was the Starbucks, the Pete's, that whole idea of let, let's have the coffee shops where it's more about the coffee bean. We're going to source the bean and we're, we're going to roast it. But what happens with second wave coffee, it's, it's a darker roast. And it's created for the masses, which most people, when they think of coffee, they're thinking of syrups, they're thinking of, you know, the cream and their sugar, and they add all this stuff to it. And so to be able to have coffee that will last, that you can still taste the coffee, you've got to roast it really dark, because otherwise you lose it as soon as you add the cream and everything else in it. But then we have the third wave, which... Um, so, so second wave coffee is a really dark roasted coffee. Dark That's roast, like a Starbucks yeah. kind of coffee. And is it true that that kind of coffee ruins your tongue forever so that you can never enjoy third wave coffee? Well, not, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say I kinda, ever. I kind of feel like my tongue is permanently burnt from thanks to Starbucks, right? <laughs> well, I, I, I used to drink Starbucks all the time. I, I was in the Starbucks so much when I went into the local Starbucks, they would know my drink before I ordered. Okay. You know, they okay, knew me okay, by name okay. and you know, I visited, I remember I was with a friend and we were, we went down to Connecticut to do some ministry. It was from Massachusetts. I was living up in the Boston area and we go into this, um, into this Starbucks and I order and the girl behind the counter says, you're John, aren't you? 
<laughs> oh like, no! What? Oh no! Are you a prophet? I, no, I'm your bar- I'm, I'm your barista. I'm your barista. I, I used to work. Barista. I used to work in Boston, and you came in all the time because I ordered the exact same oh drink all the time. Oh my goodness! Hilarious. So, but then I, I I had a friend that had a coffee shop, and he started getting into kind of the third wave and roasting these coffees a lot lighter to pull out the flavor, because the idea is coffee is a fruit. The coffee bean is the seed of a coffee cherry, and it's supposed to taste like fruit. So if your coffee doesn't taste like fruit, it's because somebody has done violence to your so coffee. So coffee should be fruity. It, it should be some <laughs> level of fruity. Now, that could be citrusy. That could be berry. There, there's all kinds of different fruits, but um, yeah, it, it, it does end up having because it is a fruit. Interesting. So, And that's one of the things that I notice is that when you're drinking coffee, you are drinking like you are discerning the different fruits within yeah. within that within that coffee yeah and that's fascinating i think i i'm not there yet yeah. i still got starbucks tongue you know what i'm saying oh, yeah. like, <laughs> well we need, we need to hang out a little bit more come on yep, I, mean, yep, I just yep, i just yep. had some friends over to my house for a, a coffee tasting after i got back from hong kong and i brought back all these different types of coffee and i was explaining okay now now taste this one here's how you taste it you know swish it around you know, if you ever been to a wine tasting you know how you aerate the wine a little bit and you swirl it around your tongue to get different flavors you can do that with coffee with a good coffee don't do it with cheap coffee it's not worth it but with good coffee you actually do that and you'll get different flavors on the side of your tongue you get different flavors at at different temperatures so usually you're going to want to wait four or five minutes after the coffee is poured if it's really hot like fresh so now now we're actually getting to get into some coffee tips into some coffee brewing tips and so we we could do that okay and so like for people that are watching this right now and they're like um let's say that that they're either French pressing it or they have a traditional coffee pot um, what should they really be um, what are some best practices for coffee yeah. brewing well we'll start <laughs> we're, with this we're getting into some higher level higher level revelatory supernatural stuff right now John this it, is, it all this has is, meaning come it on, all come has on, meaning come on, come on well the first thing that somebody that's just uh, kind of like coffee is get a grinder okay that you can grind your own coffee fresh because that that's one of the first things that you can do where you're going to notice a difference in the flavor of the coffee so whatever coffee you drink if you get a whole bean and grind it fresh and don't get a blind a grinder that has blades on it because there's no way to get a consistent grind with blades so you want what they call a burr grinder a bird, a, a burr, burr. B-U-R-R. B-U-R-R, a burr right. grinder. Yeah, it, which is basically two plates that are on top of each other. And so they, they spin and it crushes the beans between it and it forces it to be a certain size. And, these are, like, and these are like the, the, the hand grinders that, you're, that you travel with? <laughs> well, I do. I travel with a hand grinder, <laughs> okay. but you can get them electric. Um, you know, you can get and burr grinders and, almost and anywhere. And they're, they're bladeless. You can get them from Walmart. Yeah. They're bladeless. Yep. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some of them will be metal. Some of them will be ceramic. Uh, I, I much prefer the ceramic because uh, it doesn't take on the flavor like metal does. And so, yeah. Okay. So you're, we're going to we're going to burr grind our beans daily. Yeah. yeah. It, right before you make your pot of coffee. So okay. 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 once you once you wait five or ten minutes after you have ground your beans, the air changes the beans because beans have oil. Oil gives you flavor. Okay. And so that flavor 
um, it's supposed to stay in the beans. So if you're getting beans that are dark roasted and you can see the oil on the beans, it's because it's over roasted. Really? And I always, flavor, always thought that oily beans are good beans. I used I'm to always think like, that look too. at the oils on these beans, but you're not, you're saying that's not true. Well, because that's the flavor. So now the flavor is coming out of the coffee beans. So when you grind the beans, you have less flavor. Interesting. Interesting. And so if, if it, if, if it's, if it's a lighter roast, you'll rarely see the oils on it. You'll usually only see the, the oil oils on it on a darker roast because they've roasted it so much that the oil is being pushed out which is why you you begin to lose the flavor of the fruit of coffee and you begin to get the flavor of the roast of coffee wow wow wow, so, wow, yeah. wow crazy 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 and then um if you i don't know uh french press over yeah. traditional coffee pot you think as far as flavor goes or it doesn't it, matter it depends on the coffee pot that you have um I, i've got a, a, a mocha master which is a it's a nice it's european i think it's a swedish company okay it's scandinavian at least a european company um it's very nice it it gets the water to a hot enough temperature because if your water is not hot enough okay. you're not going to get the same flavor extraction okay so you need it to be at least a minimum of 185 degrees most of your coffee shops that do pour overs they're using coffee that's about between 195 to 205 degrees okay to, to get the extraction from it and where should where should we what temperature should we be at again 185 minimum of 185 so most coffee pots are not able to do that the mocha master actually will get it to that temperature because it, it forces it through steam it forces it up through when it drips down it has a higher temperature so you get a much better drip and you can get your that. mocha master if you call the number at the bottom of the screen 1-800-MOCHA-MASTER <laughs> make your coffee you right <laughs> john you yeah. are you are going you have got this heart of a coach just to be equipping and training up a prophetic generation that can hear god and represent god well and so when it comes to um kind of the state of prophetic equipping right now mm -hmm. and really seeing um um uh, a generation really coming i mean we see like the, uh, the, the call events we saw like azusa now we see um a, com a compassion for one coming out of portland with chris overstreet right. all these kind of movements these evangelistic movements but they're really is a um, prophetic kind of drive behind it all it's yeah. really really awesome yeah so now john what are you feeling in the spirit as far as like the the potential within the prophetic right now like the the potential um for and the need the need for training and equipping i mean do you even think that that's needed or, or are you like no, no no let's just let's just empower activate get them out get them out get them out or are you mm -hmm. like no we, we really should be more intentional in this current season to be training and equipping so i know it's a yeah. big i know it's a big question dive in anywhere but what yeah. are you what are you seeing right now well, well i'll start i'll start with a comparison because the the need for training um if you have somebody that is going to be pastor of a church or is going to be a teacher uh, i don't know anybody that would think that they don't need some kind of training they're not going to need training on the content, the theology, their ability to be able to put together a message, for the message to be logical, to have a beginning and an end and actually have a point to it. Um, and then their presentation, the, how, they're, how they're talking to someone, their, their body language, their gestures, everything is part of that communication. We, we would put a lot of work and we would expect somebody, our, our best teachers, our best preachers, those that, that we would listen to are people that have put in so much work 
in the content and the presentation of the true, message true. That, that's important true I, I i think that it is a disservice to have any less for the prophetic interesting interesting because we're, we're message givers if we're message givers we should be giving as much care to the content we should be giving as much care to the delivery as we are to, to anything else because there, there's this there's this weird idea that it's kind of in the back of people's heads, right right past the point where they're consciously thinking about it. So it's not in their conscious thoughts, but it kind of lays back there. It's like, well, if I'm prophesying, it's gonna, whatever comes out is what God's saying. Right, right But it's still right, not right, true. Right, <laughs> if I'm prophesying, whatever, yeah, that's good. It's, it's not the way that it actually works because God doesn't prophesy through a vacuum. If he was gonna do that, he would just speak audibly to the person he was talking. He wouldn't use a vessel. He uses a vessel because a vessel is part of the message. And so our job as a vessel is to make sure that we're not changing the message that he's intending to communicate. And that takes training. That takes training in character, that takes training in presentation and delivery. We have to realize the way that we think about God, the way that we think about the prophetic, is actually going to cause us to communicate it in a certain way, not communicate certain things, communicate other things, put our emphasis in one place or in another place. And all of that is important. And so we desperately need training in all of those areas to get to the point of having greater impact. That's yeah, so good, and yeah. and sometimes I think in the in the name of equipping and empowering, um, uh, man, when I get right up on these things, this mic sounds awesome. All right, <laughs> sometimes I, think, I should get closer. Yeah, it's listen better. to this, yeah. man. This is this is where it's at, John. Get right up on it. Um, sometimes I wonder if in in the name of equipping, um, we are we are we can kind of perhaps empower people maybe a little bit too quickly or maybe even um maybe there's even some some things that are being taught in the name of equipping and empowerment that are uh that are actually producing some some bad fruit within yeah. within the prophetic and so yeah. my question for you john is is um what kind of training and equipping are you seeing within the prophetic that you feel like could actually kind of be honed in a little bit if that makes sense yeah well i i think that we've we've done a really good job at activating people at at the beginning levels of the prophetic but what we haven't done is given them a path so that they can mature and so we, we've almost made the beginning levels as what the prophetic is. And so people never go past that. I, I was just at this uh, with this group in Asia and this group had been given prophetic equipping about seven years ago. They, they'd never heard about, well, they'd heard about the prophetic, but they'd never experienced it, never had any teaching, never been activated in it. About seven years ago, they got activation in the teaching that came and that, you know, multiple times people came to help them and train them. It was always the same. You, you say, thus saith the Lord, and you just speak out whatever comes to mind. So the, the, they were actually using that model. Like they were when using they would prophesy, they'd be like, thus saith the Lord, oh God, you know. Yes, exactly. That's interesting, okay. Yeah, and that was their model. And so, but what would happen is that there was no discerning of what was God and what wasn't God. Now that model is really good for people that have to get past the mind that there is, uh, um, 
I, I, I lost the, the phrase that I'm looking for, sure. but we, we just get paralyzed by analyzing. Paraliza analyzation, <laughs> paralyzation. Totally, yeah. totally, totally. We're just so, so constantly analyzing that we get paralyzed and we never actually say anything. Well, I'm not so sure if it's, uh, it's God. And you, you have to get past it. You have to get over that. that that's a, a road bump that you're going to have to get past. And so you put on a training wheel of just throwing everything out there. But that works if there is, if, big if, if there's a culture of feedback and risk. Hmm. You have to have both. You have to have the culture of risk where you celebrate risk. You celebrate that somebody tried. Like, that's an amazing <laughs> Come thing. On. Come on. But you also have to have a, a, a culture of feedback where you give, man, it's amazing you tried. Here's how you could do better. Let, let's take that to the next and that's, level. And that's tough to hear. It, it's especially after you've taken a risk and you've given a word and now somebody is giving you feedback on when you've already taken a risk. And, and you know, whenever you go and you do something, you're always feeling self-conscious about like, did I do okay? Did I do okay? Right. So I think sometimes when somebody comes along and they're like, hey, you did great, but here's an opportunity for improvement. It really is a test of our, of our security and our insecurity. It, it, it can be. The, the thing is, it, it, it's, it's a test, I think, in the spiritual realm, but it's not so much in the rest of the world. In the rest of the world, you're going to be in sports. You go and you find somebody that's mm -hmm. going to criticize what you're doing so that you get better. Mm -hmm. That's going to give you honest feedback that's going to help you to improve because you know that if you don't improve, you're never going to get good at it. Wow. If wow, you're wow. a coach, I mean, you go to yeah. S&P 500 companies and, to, and those CEOs, how many of them have a coach, have, have some type of... Uh, somebody that is helping them a professional developer that is working with them that is helping them look at the decisions they're making the way that they're thinking and bringing critical correction to it so that they can improve and we think that's wise leadership but we bring it into the church and we're like oh no you can't talk about my prophetic word mm, so good because we've identified with our gifting instead of with our god and that's why it's hard to take feedback. That's incredible. That's incredible. Now, what about being a leader and where you have feedback to give, but the feedback hasn't been invited? You know, do you mm -hmm. think that good leaders should be um, be assertive to lean into the awkwardness of that situation and say, "Hey, I've got some." You know, um, yeah. because there, there maybe are leaders listening to this podcast that are frustrated with people that they are leading regarding what they're doing prophetically, but they're not saying anything because they're afraid they haven't been invited in, into that conversation. Yeah. Well, it, and I would assume that if I'm the leader, I've been invited into that conversation. <laughs> right, right, because, right, right. Because my leadership is a stewardship. In, in in the kingdom, you're not voted into something. That's right. That's right. That's right. It, it's not about popular opinion. It is God has given you a responsibility, and if you don't take that responsibility seriously, you're going to give an account to God for how you led those people. And so you many, think you think we that we have an obligation to 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 to, to give that feedback. I, I would argue that scripturally all day long. I, I think it's it is a it is a requirement. Hebrews says that you know, it's talking to the followers, but it says, hey, follow your leaders in such a way that they can they can lead you with joy. 
because they will give an account for your souls. Mm, yep. That we're going to give an account for the souls of the people that we lead. And so if we allow them to continue in a path of destruction and we do not correct it and their life is destroyed, we will help pay that cost. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible, John. Yeah. And it, when you, when you realize that it gives you the fear of the Lord, then you have to be careful because at that point, once you get that revelation and the fear begins to come, the fear of the Lord, the proper healthy fear of the Lord begins to come. You've got to be careful that it's the proper healthy fear of the Lord and not just fear. Mm. Because if it's just fear, then you will overcorrect wow. because you're trying to protect yourself wow. instead of out of love to help that person grow. Wow. And so you've got to deal with that issue in your own heart. And, and what is the fear of man that would cause you to shrink back from giving them the correction and the feedback in the first place? Because really, if you really cared about the person, you would tell them. But if you care about what they think about you, you won't tell them because you're afraid of what they're going to think about you. And so you deal with the fear of man. You walk in the fear of God. And then at that place, you're able to give people feedback. And, I, and I've... When you give that feedback, it, it changes the dynamic. I, I was in a meeting, and this was a, a number of years ago, and I was teaching on dream interpretation. A group of people that hadn't been taught on dream interpretation. And somebody came up, they shared a dream, and so how I would teach, I'd have somebody share a dream, I'd interpret, and I'd talk about the principles of interpretation, give them some pointers, and then we'd take another dream and do the same thing again. And so th this person comes up, they share a dream, I don't have the interpretation of the dream. I, I don't know what it means. <laughs> and so I just said so. I'm like, hey, you know, that's, that's a good dream. I, I can pull out, like, this element can sometimes mean this, sometimes mean this, but I don't know what this dream means. And so somebody raises their hand. And this lady, she's like, hey, I think I know what it means. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, you said that publicly, and so I, I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come on up. And I didn't say all that. I just said, oh, okay, well, you know, come on up. And so she comes up, and she shares an interpretation. And I know it's not the interpretation of the dream. And so I, I just put my hand over her shoulder. And this is the first time I'd met her in person. I'd, just, I'd been there speaking, but I put her, my hand on her shoulder. And I explained to everybody why that interpretation was the wrong interpretation. And explained, you know, kind of where that came from, and the way that she was seeing something, and, and her perspectives. And, you know, she sat down, we went on with a meeting. Later that afternoon, after that, the, during the break, she comes up to me and she goes, how did you do that? Well, what? What do you mean? She goes, I am so insecure. If somebody wow. criticizes me, I'm crushed, and especially a leader. How did you do that? Because when you told everybody that I had the wrong interpretation, I felt loved, not destroyed. Wow. I'm like, well, because I was more concerned about you than I was about correcting you. Hmm. And she felt it. See, if we can deal with the insecurities of our own heart, we'll be able to, to help people and even people that are very sensitive because we're, we're really caring for them and we're trying to help them. We're not, we're not against them. They're not the enemy. They're the point. Yeah, that's good. And their good. error is not the enemy. Their error is the opportunity. And so we're helping them to grow. 
and, and they'll feel that that care and that love that we have for them yeah it's so good it's so good um so what are you seeing as far as opportunities um for the prophetic in our generation you know i think that if we if we can come to the point where we have Develop such a culture of activation. Hey, everybody mm -hmm. can do this, which we have. We had to have because that that was not normal fifty years ago. Right, right. Fifty years ago, it was very different. It was the guy, you know, the anointed man of the hour, <laughs> right, right, man right, of power right. for the hour, and you know that that kind of concept that was going on. And we've we've shifted that, and we we see that we all have something to bring to the table. That, that the Holy Spirit has poured out His gifts. And we needed that. We desperately needed that. Now we need to take that and begin to grow because all can prophesy, but some are prophets. Mm -hmm. And we, we've got to have more than activation for everyone, not less than. We can't let go of that. We've got to keep that. But add on to that some mentoring and training because if we can grow into a place of maturity, then we're going to have the, the influencers of the world actually hearing our prophetic words. I mean, you get Daniel, who is giving advice to a pagan king. I mean, he's not somebody that is so seeking after God, and he's hungry. He just realizes the validity of what Daniel carries. He recognizes something because he had matured. Because he had, he'd gone to that place of maturity through the choices in his life. It was about his character. It was about his personhood. It was about his understanding and his relationship with God. All those things came together where he was able to bring that influence. And that, that's what we need. We, we have the potential to have Daniels. It's incredible. To that's be incredible. a Daniel, you've got to get rid of the judgment of Nebuchadnezzar. Wow. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. Let me ask you, uh, and hopefully this is in, in the same track of what we're, of what we're discussing, is um, when you look at Kansas City, that became this incubator of the prophets. It was not necessarily an incubator. It's more like a magnet where it drew all these this this incredible community and synergy of, of, of prophets. And what my question is, is like we've seen incredible um, apostolic hubs and revival hotspots established over the last 10, 20 30 years but we haven't necessarily seen that kind of kansas city you know profit incubator right we haven't really seen and so what i'm wondering is what dynamics existed there at kansas city was that just a sovereign kind of thing or do you think that there are some principles and some values or something that 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 was that that was done there with mike bickle and what he created that made that either a magnet for for this for this community of prophets um uh because because i would love to see those kinds of communities of friends that are operating in higher levels and you know in our generation in our time mm -hmm. you know i i think it was a mix it, it was clearly a sovereign thing because i mean you, you've got kind of the three main kansas city prophets that kind of launched the popularity of it you know, john paul bob jones and and paul kane um paul kane was hiding out in phoenix arizona living with his mom and he gets a word from the Lord to move to Kansas City because this young man was starting a church. 
and God was going to use it to, to raise up the prophets uh, of the generation. And so he, he moves to Kansas City and goes and finds the church. You have Bob Jones that has a visitation, and he's told, go to Kansas City because there's this young Michael, and, <laughs> and I've put my favor upon him. And, you know, so he gets this, this clear revelation to move there to be a part, and he shows up. And John Paul has the same thing. Um, a little bit after those because they they come first but he he heard something about it and he starts getting prophetic words gets revelation God's speaking to him uh, and you know gets confirmation from this little boy <laughs> that was a friend of the family wow that wow, just wow. And, you know, sees him you're moving to Kansas City and you know prophesies this thing to him so there was a sovereign thing that was going on but at the same time as that sovereign thing that was going on there was wise stewardship hmm. And, and, and it's the both end because we, we, we too often, we, we misunderstand new wine, new wineskins. Mm. We, we think that we have to have a wineskin to hold the new wine. Mm -hmm. The wine determines the wineskin. Interesting, interesting. The wineskin does not determine the wine. The wine determines the wineskin. <laughs> That's good. And what good. Mike did so well, and I've talked, I've been in conversations with John Paul and Bob Jones and Larry Randolph talking about that history. I've, I've heard tapes from the early days of interviews and people telling the stories and, you know, talk to John Paul about those types of things. What, what Mike did so well is he moved the structure and how they did things with what was going on. They would follow, they allowed the wine skin to be formed by the wine that God was pouring out. And so it was able to hold this thing for the period of time that it held it. Hmm. And what, what, kind of, what kinds of things did, um, did Mike do in order to honor um, those the, the office of the prophet within that within that context because i just think of of being a leader of, of, of a church in our desire I, I definitely would say that there's an embryonic apostolic kind of thing that we're hoping to steward well here in seattle and so um how and, and it'd be my my desire to really honor the office of the of the prophet here here in seattle and to have a safe place for there to be a community of prophets so how did mike how did mike do that you had this diversity yeah. of characters <laughs> and diversity of giftings even within the office right. of the prophet and so what did mike what, what did mike bickle do in order to really honor the office and to honor these men and and their distinctives and and, and that kind of place to create this this synergistic kind of culture yeah well, he would let the revelation speak into the direction of the church and of the movement. Interesting. And so they, there, there would be discernment. They would, they would discern. But once they discerned that something was the Lord speaking, they would move to do it. They would begin to agree with it. They would begin to, to line up with that word to cause it to happen. Interesting. And they would consistently share the revelation as the reason. God is leading us. This is how he's shown us this. This is this revelation, this revelation of why it comes together. Hmm. And, and, and he did that so well. In, in, in allowing that but then he also for the each of the individual ones he gave them opportunities that fit their gift mix wow, wow. and so wow. paul kane had different opportunities than bob jones had who had different opportunities than john paul had 
I mean, John Paul had a calling to be an equipper and a trainer. He started to equip and train on the prophetic while he was in Kansas City. Interesting. Wow. But, but wow. Mike was smart enough not to give him a Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, do you, why do you say that? Well, because he wasn't a good teacher. John Paul, John Paul Jackson John Paul, wasn't, wasn't a good teacher. He was not a good teacher in the beginning. Interesting. He had to learn and grow. He spent years working on the content of the message and his delivery of the message. That's and interesting. So, but he did, he did equipping. He, he did training. And then he would get feedback on that equipping and he would get feedback on that training. And, and he would listen to what people had to say and he grew and he matured in his ability to communicate. He became what we know as John Paul. But John Paul, I mean, every single one of them, they went through a process. We, we got to see kind of the, the end years and we got to see the fruit of 40 years of growth. But they're, they're a very well, a very a mature, very well spoken, very right. polished, very el almost elegant, almost, yeah. elegant in his delivery, yeah. right? Like, I mean, the distinctive excellence on John Paul Jackson and his ministry right. and his media, right? I mean, yeah. that's I mean, so different. So to hear you talk about like that wasn't there in the beginning, like that's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, he, and he tells he's he's told that story himself, so I have no problem sure, sharing sure, that. Sure, I'm not sure. exposing anything. Thing that was sure. trying to be but yeah I mean it was it was work that was put into it it was years it was it was equipping it was practice and it was being given opportunities that fit where they were at so they could be ready for where they were going and and that that's one of the things I, I think that a good leader one of the things that they'll be able to do is they'll they'll be able to recognize not just the potential of the people that's there but where they're at currently and help them, give them opportunities to take the steps that mm. will allow them to realize their potential. That's so good, that's right. so good. Now, I know I've talked to you about this before, but um, how did you actually meet John Paul Jackson? How, yeah. how, how, did, how did that all kind of come together? And when you met, was it like, was it like, here we go, this is it, you know? <laughs> I'm your son, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, the first time I, I, I mean, you're like, yeah, I'm, yeah, not really. Um, <laughs> oh, and I'll explain the reasons as we go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I, I first just been in meetings where he was ministering. Okay. And you know, it, it was John Paul, when he ministered, could be very intimidating because you had no idea what he didn't know. He just assumed that he knew everything <laughs> yeah. because what he shared <laughs> was scary accurate wow, and scary wow, detailed. Wow, wow. Like when he would begin to prophesy over people, I mean, he's telling them the secrets of their heart. And he, I mean, the first time I saw him prophesy, he, he's, he has 20 some people he stands up after he got done speaking and he tells them about their past, tells them about their present, and then tells them what their future is going to be. Mm. And I knew enough of them to know the accuracy of what he was talking about. It was, it was unbelievable. So you, you have that kind of that piece. And first time I went to a prophetic training and, you know, I, I just, I know the people that, that ended up coming to some of these prophetic trainings because some of the stuff that John Paul used to say then that he didn't say later, <laughs> right, right. the people changed. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, we, he was, he was talking about a prophetic exercise. We're all going to be activated. And so, you know, you're going to be prophesying over somebody, make sure that it's positive, encouraging, comforting, exhorting. He goes, don't, don't be pointing out anybody's sins. He goes, and if anybody 
if anybody points out or says one of your sins prophetically, I want you to come and tell me because I'm going to have them stand up in front of the class and I'll tell everybody their sins. No. You know, he said that publicly. Wow. Talk about That's the fear of the Lord because he could have done it. Who wants to go? He wouldn't have done it, but he could have done it. Wow, wow, wow. You know, so, you know, I, I had that kind of like, oh. <laughs> Snap. But there was something in me that knew there, there was something there. Me, me and my wife were, were walking one day and we were just so hungry to grow. We, we knew there was more. And we knew we had to go somewhere to get it because where we were at, We'd grown to the potential that was in that arena for us. Mm-hmm. And so we knew there, there, the only way we're going to get more is if we go to some place where, where what God is calling us into is happening and we can grow into it. Yeah. And so we, we're, we're walking down the street one day and trying to figure out where are we going. And one of us asked the question, still to this day, neither one of us can remember who it was. We both thought it was the other person. So maybe it was an angel. I, I, who, who knows? <laughs> right. But the question was, well, who's the most like Jesus that you want to be like? Wow. And after I thought about it for, you know, for a short period of time, I said, well, um, John Wimber's dead. So uh, John Paul Jackson. Wow. 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 And Donna's like, well, what an awesome question. Yeah. And so Donna's Donna's answer, well, where where does he live? Let's move there. (laughs) And that's when we made the decision that we were moving. So we moved up to New Hampshire just to be a part of the community. We had no idea we were gonna be on staff or anything else. They just, they'd started a church. They were doing trainings up there. There was gonna be opportunities to be on prophetic teams. We were gonna get to learn about dream interpretation. We're gonna get to grow. That's what we needed. We needed to grow. This is our opportunity. We moved up there and we started to interact with people just because we're serving. Wow. Wow. And as we're serving, then we start to interact with John Paul and we get invited onto the team. We begin to, to develop this relationship and, and I'm on staff and doing some stuff. And one day, um, John Paul's assistant comes and gets me and I'm getting ready to walk out. And she's like, Hey, I, I know it's, I know it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, time, time to leave, but can you wait for just a minute? This is like Christmas in July. And I'm like, um, sure. She goes, John Paul wants to talk to you. And I'm like, okay (laughs) wow what is this going to be and so i go i go up to john paul's office after this invitation and um and he begins to explain to me how the lord showed him that i had this calling to plant churches and that he was supposed to sow into me whatever he could and you know what i please or what i'd be how how old were you when when, when this happened i was 30 years old wow 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 yeah 31 31 yeah wow so he's like he's, he just starts telling me, i see this calling you to plant church right. and you're and you're and you're standing there thinking well I, i'm thinking i've had so many prophetic words about planting churches and being a leader and pastoring i'm like wow um okay wow i mean wow wow and wow. i mean this is john paul it's like not like i'm gonna question sure you know, sure is sure. this accurate so i already had the confirmation ahead of time like this is just the next piece of it okay um but i, I he, the invitation was to travel with him wherever he went and if he was going to be flying he wouldn't be able to pay for my flights but if i could I'd, i could get there awesome but anytime he was driving i'd drive with him awesome. and ask him any question that i wanted to ask him. awesome awesome like, awesome that's a free pass from john paul to ask any question that you want like do you think he saw at that time that you would be kind of taking the torch from him with the with the ministry do you think he kind of saw that at that at the time i don't know 
I, I don't know because well, and I'm I, I I think not for this reason because he's had he had people ask him, you know, well, what's your plans like when you know when you, when you retire, what's going to happen to the ministry? And, and his thought was, I, I don't I don't think streams is going to last after I'm gone. Really, he would say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so and he didn't have a plan in his head for. Um, he just wanted to impart into you everything that he could. That he had so that I could fulfill my goal. Wow, my, that's my, awesome. My purpose, that's not awesome. my goal, but my purpose. And, and so he, he was giving it, and, and he had no expectations. So after, after a period of time, he was like, John, you, you know, you, you've learned what you need to know for the next season. I mean, here's one opportunity, but anything that you do, I'm going to bless you. That's incredible. You, know, you can go back to no, no strings attached. No I, strings I, attached. I poured into you. You're ready. Now go and run. Right. That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. And he did that a couple different times at different times. So that's when I took over the church. And then when I came down to Dallas, Texas, to be a part of the staff again, which actually, excuse me, I, I didn't know I was coming down to be part of the staff. I was just coming down because I was stepping out itinerant and sure. John Paul had offered to continue. I still had an open invitation to travel with him periodically. I couldn't do everything that he did, but I was still... So I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go live where he lives because absolutely, absolutely. You know, what an opportunity! And um, ended up being on staff. And you know, he blessed me as as I got so busy that I couldn't do what I was doing on staff. He's like, you know, hey, transition. Like you've done everything right. Go pursue this. This is what God has given you. And and he 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 held on with an open hand. He he held on and blessed. Now, I think that he may have known at some point in time that I was going to to take over the leadership uh, for this reason. After he passed away, this is a weird story, I've, I don't think I've ever shared this publicly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but a after he passed away, uh, in his office he had like his library that was kind of his study library and a lot of those books there were books that Diane wanted, they were specific for her so she, you know, she got first dibs, anything that she wanted she got to keep. But I was going through those books with uh, some of the people that were on staff at that time. And part of those books was some of the books that he'd written that as they would get printed, he would keep one of the editions just on a, on a special shelf that was just the books that he'd written. So all the different languages and different editions and all that kind of stuff. And I was looking through them just to see is there anything in them or are they just a blank copy because you know one thing if there's something in them the completely different thing if they're blank copy and I open mm. up one of the books and in it is an inscription that John Paul had signed and this is what it said John may you have the wisdom that you need for this season John Paul Jackson Wow 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 I about dropped the book because he'd been gone at this point for months Wow that's crazy so at some point in time, what, I mean, who knows what, what John was that written for? I, I believe it was written for me. He's not around to ask him, but at what, at what point in time did, did, was it in your heart to, to run with streams? Like, did you, did you feel something was the Lord kind of preparing you and speaking to you? Like, Hey John, you're, you're, you're going to run with this thing. Um, or was it one of those things where you didn't even host that, that particular kind of internal conversation until after the, uh, John passed, I didn't let myself. I, I, I can remember when I first had when I first heard that he had a tumor 
this thought process that goes through my head of wow. this isn't good he's not going to make it what are we going to do with streams what needs to happen how do we transition streams and i'm making plans for him passing away and i'm like uh-uh no wow. not going wow. there wow. Wow. and wow. and fought through it and actually it was so real i i went and i met with john paul because i know my, my faith the how, how the gift of faith for me operates as if if i have revelation that I discern as revelation from God, like my faith is unshakable. Wow. Like wow. if I know God said something's going to happen, I, I, it, I, I don't know that I, I cannot remember a single time where I've been shaken once I knew that God said something was going to say. Wow. Something. So, wow. so I'm looking like John Paul, like what revelation do you have that you're making it through this? Because, you know, you, I want you, something. You asked I, him I asked that. him that. I'm like, I want an anchor. You know what did he say and and at that point he says you know i've had a lot of my friends that have told me that this isn't unto death and i'm going to make it through it but i know how that works they're my friends of course they're going to say that i don't have any wow wow and i'm wow. like well, well i'm going to keep on contending i'm going to keep on praying he goes me too wow and so we we just agreed that we we're just we we're going to contend and pray and now after that he'd had people began to give him some things and i've actually read all the revelations that were given because after that conversation he started talking about revelations that you know hey i'm going to make it through this this is why i got this word and got this word and i, I think some of those were kind of friends and some of those were misinterpreted and actually i look back and i look at um at a couple of them and they all it came to pass according to the revelation but just not according to the interpretation of the revelation yeah right 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 which is interesting it is it is it is and so um after john after john passed and um and there's all these conversations regarding what are we going to do with streams mm -hmm. and ministries you know were you an active part of the of that like were you actually on the board and having those conversations or were, was were you happening were those conversations happening with you out of the room right. at which point you were invited hey we think you know how, how did that actual how did that transition yeah. take place i'm always curious when it comes to transitions in, in churches and in ministries and and those different dynamics they, they're they're tricky transition is tricky very tricky Qu requires a lot of grace <laughs> yeah so i i was not on the board so it, it was a year and a half after john paul passed away before i came on so during that year and a half um that year i, I i'm i'm doing the ministry that i've been doing john paul had blessed me to go off and do so I, i'm i'm traveling full time but whenever I was in town, I, I would just, I would stop by the office, talk to the staff. You know, I was kind of, I've always kind of been the pastor. Mm -hmm. um, so I just kind of go, hey, what's going on? You know, and hey, you know, that, that thing, you're not admitting that you're feeling, that's burden bearing, here's how you deal with it. And so I would, you know, I would just help people that's through amazing. stuff, ask them questions and just, hey, praying for you, encouraging you. And the guy that was leading it at the time, John Crandall, we're, we're still good friends. Um, we'd just get together and over a meal and we'd talk about what was going on and i'd share okay now this is the well this is when this first happened because i'd been on staff for so many years i had so much context for different things different mm. decision mm. i'm like well when we when we were dealing with this before this is what we decided this is why john paul did this these are the conversations that we had so i was giving him wisdom and counsel um while i was off doing my own thing and, and I could just see from the pattern, I, I knew that the streams had two options. It was either going to be a, a resource um, facilitator that would make John Paul's materials available as long as people wanted it. 
kind of like a tribute, like like a tribute ministry. Like you, like when you go to the resources, it's always kind of honoring. And well, what, it would, what, yeah, what it would it? just be the resources. So like the the Art of Hearing God course, mm-hmm. and you know the teachings, the CDs that he did, the DVDs that he did. Keep them available, and as long as people wanted them, make them available. Sure, and sure, when, sure. When that no longer covered the the cost of staff and and maintenance, you just throw them up on YouTube, and they're out there for perpetuity, and you just go on. Sure. Um, which is it's a great thing. Like that, that's a great thing because there's so much that was sewn into the body of Christ. There was mm-hmm. rich teachings. I mean, and I still, I mean, I've, I've gone back. Incredible. And yeah, they're incredible. To some of this incredible. stuff recently, and I'm like, I'm. Like man, I I heard that 15 years ago, and wow. it's, it's rocking me again. Absolutely. Like I didn't even get the level of it. Um, so that was one potential, or it was going to to have um, somebody that had a vision for ministry that was going to take it into a new place, and it would transform from being a monument to John Paul to building on the foundation that John Paul had laid and and doing something new. And I genuinely wasn't sure which one was supposed to happen. So the, those were the two options. And right. the board, were they aware of those two options? Or were they aware of just the one option of continuing the ministry um, and just continuing to provide the, John Paul's resource? Like, were they right. aware of those two options? Or were you the one that kind of stepped forward and said, there's a second option. We right. continue to run with the original vision. And we're creating new resources and keeping yeah. it present. Like, how did that, that look? Well, they had made the decision that they were going to wait for a year before they made any okay. decisions okay. as to the future, what was going to happen. So they just left things going and as it was. And streams, the staff just continued doing what they were doing, maintaining. And there was so much to deal with just after that period of time. Wow. After that year was over, um, they started going through those those they, no, they'd already started the conversations but they look seriously at that and one of the board gives me a call and says hey um, what do you think about streams like what what's 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 going on and so I told him those two options and he goes that's exactly what we've wow. been talking wow. about for wow. board do you have a feeling which one it's supposed to be Wow and I'm like well my heart would want it to continue to be a ministry but I I, I don't have any clear revelation from the Lord at one way or the other and he goes, well, we, th- we think it's supposed to be a ministry as well. And we feel like you're doing what Streams is supposed to accomplish. We want to ask if you would take over the leadership of Streams. Because we've been watching everybody that's been involved with Streams. And you're the only one that God has highlighted for us. That's incredible. That's uh, and, and what did you, how did you feel in the, when, they, when they said that? Um, scared and excited. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. And, uh, you know, I, I had to take a moment. What's, it's interesting because before I moved down to Texas, which at this time, point was three years before, I, we were moving down to Texas and I had the practical reasons, but I was asking the Lord, like, where are we supposed to go? I just s- turned over the church that we'd been pastoring to our associate pastor. I'm going itinerant. And I'm like, well, what's the next step? I mean, like, I'm not just going to be traveling for the rest of my life. There's, I know I'm supposed to build something. There's wow. something for me to do. Like, what is, what is this next thing? What's the next step? And the Lord said, I'll tell you the next step after you get down to Texas. Wow. wow. And so we got down to Texas, and I kept on asking the next step, and I never got it. I never got it. I got off of that phone call, and the presence of the Lord filled my living room. And I heard clear as anything, this is the next step. Wow. 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 I'm like, okay. 
So now you, you, so you say yes, and you step into this ministry that's been very, it, it's called Streams Ministries, mm-hmm. but it's very, it's, it's not really Streams. It's John Paul Jackson. Yes. I mean, don't, don't you agree? I yeah. mean, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, it was the tagline Streams Ministries, a ministry of John Paul Jackson. Right. I mean, you have, um, Eagles View Ministry, but it's not really Eagles View Ministry. It's Bobby Connor, right? right. Everyone, no one's doing a Google search for Eagles View Ministry. They're looking for Bobby. Where's Bobby? You know, so imagine it was, it was, that was an interesting transition going from Streams Ministries, which is really John Paul Jackson, to now here's John Thomas. So how, how was that transition? What, what was that yeah. like? Because like I said, transition is tricky. And, and even oh, just being a, a pastor and going from my pastor who, who attracted very specific people to the church because of her composition and DNA. And then you have Darren stepping in, who's a different person, different DNA. And, yep. you know, and so there's, there's, there's transition. But of course, there was grace for it. Just mm-hmm. looking at just the fruit and what you're walking in now. But what was that? What was that like going from this transition from John Paul Jackson one year? One year passes, and now you're stepping in, and you're thinking about the creation of new resources and these these different things with yeah. you, with your name actually on it. Yeah, it it was it was super difficult and super exciting. I mean, you, you can't listen to anybody else's press if they tell you that you're the best thing in the world or <laughs> right. you're the worst thing in the world, because <laughs> right. I have both. Right. <laughs> and I, like, who, who's this new guy? I just miss John Paul. Were, were there haters care. like that, like oh, comments yeah. out there? Like, oh, yeah. Like, who do you think you know? Yeah, like, why are, why are they letting this guy talk? He, he doesn't carry John Paul's anointing. Oh, he he clearly doesn't have John Paul's mantle. Oh, my like, well, no, wait a second. I, I have no desire to be John Paul. I have no desire to, to repeat what John Paul did mm. or even to repeat what John Paul said. Wow. Now, I have the vision. Like, the vision has always been the same. Help people encounter a God that's huge. It'll transform their lives and they'll fulfill the reason why God created them. Wow. Like that's that, good. That's, it's, it's been said in many different ways, but that's the vision. Bringing regular people into encounters with a God that transforms their lives so that they fulfill the purpose they were created for. That that's my life. That's who I am. I live, breathe, and I will die that. And you're John Thomas, absolutely. You're your own individual, your own experiences, and everything else. But there, I, I, I mean, the impartation that you receive from John Paul Jackson is totally obvious. You don't yeah. have to be a discerner to see. And so, I don't know if you would say the mantle or, or what but do you think you received i mean are you comfortable with 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 a particular question like that like do you think you received john paul jackson's mantle or do you think you're walking in just a, a certain measure of impartation because there's something right. that you're walking in yeah. where it's like i mean it's there, I, I, it, w- it wouldn't be a far stretch to say that you could be the biological son of john paul jackson i like, have a like, lot of people have asked me that and suggested i mean just that. just mm. the, because because of there's just an anointing on you that's so 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 similar so different but so i mean has the lord showed you anything as far as like that do you recall a moment of like impartation or where you're like you know you know, I've had I've, I've had so many moments of impartation <laughs> sure, around John sure, Paul. Sure, sure, um, But I, not since he passed. Not of impartation. Sure. Like I've had dreams about him, etc. But sure. But but not that that place of of impartation. And you know, I I I, I have a, a hesitation about the word mantle because the way it gets thrown <laughs> totally. around and all that it thrown means. around. The mantles get <laughs> yeah, mantles play on words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so I don't know if I would use that word, sure, but sure. I, I know, I know that God called me in this place, and I know a lot of how God formed my spirit and who I am was through John Paul and through the people that formed John Paul. Interesting, because John Paul spent a number of years with John Wimber, and he point he would point to what he learned and what he received from Wimber as key to who he was. He was one of the three people that he really received. You know, he'd say John Wimber, John uh, Sanford is another one that he considered a spiritual father. Um, so he, he had these the, these major influences. Well, those were influences in my life before John Paul was. Incredible, incredible, yeah. And so yeah. then I, I get the influence from John, John Paul, and, and it comes together into this DNA. So we, we have very similar values. We have very similar, um, even some nuances, passions. I mean, a lot of our passions, I mean, you talk about the art of hearing God, and, and that was his heart's cry for prophetic ministry. I could have written that course. Well, I don't know if I could have come up with the content. <laughs> no, I, that's amazing. But yeah, just, it's yeah, so yeah. in me that's incredible. that when I teach it, I'm not teaching somebody else's material. I'm teaching my own heart, my own passion when I teach that. And so there's definitely some type of, of impartation. There, there's some of the spirit that was on john paul is upon me like you know joshua i'm you know, i'm going to take some of the spirit that's on you moses and i'm going to put it on joshua absolutely i know that that happened yeah absolutely yeah that absolutely and um uh we're hitting on so much stuff but i just i just love i just love what we're talking about and and, and one of the things i know about you is you have a deep love even for the vineyard and for the and, and for the vineyard movement and that would come from your honor and appreciation for for john for john wimber mm-hmm. yeah. and so i just remember that when you were bringing that like john wimber's influence on john paul john paul right. jackson and so what do you what are you seeing what are you seeing within kind of the vineyard movement because i um it seems like it seems like there's there's God's doing a lot right now all all, yeah. all, all, all over the map, and I know that that um, that there's just a, lo- a deep love and profound appreciation for the Vineyard Movement. Yeah, no, I, I've I, I carry the Vineyard Movement in intercession and in my heart. Um, I mean, forever. I, I consider myself a son of the Vineyard, if you will. That's incredible. Um, yeah, but. Um, you know what? What John Wimber? I actually just recently went through a, a recording. Um, it's twelve messages. It was John Wimber on C. Peter Wagner. So C. Peter Wagner had written a book on church growth, and John Wimber had been on staff with Peter Wagner at Fuller, and they taught that together. And so Wimber did this big conference for all the vineyard pastors and leaders that were attached, and talked about what the dna of the vineyard was and and how to grow church and leadership dynamics and i i'm listening to this this is just a few months ago i'd love to hear that yeah i'll, I'll give it yeah, to you yeah that'd it's, be awesome it's free it's one of those free resources so yeah, I'll, that'd I'll, be awesome. I'll, I'll give it to you Dude, yeah. it's so amazing but i would listen to it and i would sit there weeping like god i would die for this vision <laughs> wow i wow, would wow, live for wow, this vision wow, and i'm wow. like I, I i signed up all over again wow. like all over again i'm like i i will go for this no matter what and, and 
that vision, you know, he, he talked about how he couldn't actually be a part of a movement that was more about gathering. He wanted to be part of one that was about sending. Incredible. Yeah. You know, it had yeah. to be about the presence of God. Everything was centered about the presence of God, that making room for God to move and do whatever God wanted to do. That this idea that man leads the church is an abomination, that God is the leader of the church, and we've got to get God back Incredible. on the throne. Incredible. He actually says this comment that I, I wouldn't have the guts to say, but he goes, you know, I, I've been I, I've been accused with with splitting churches because I go and I teach about the kingdom. He goes, if I go into a church and and I bring the message that God is the leader of the church and it splits the church, then good, that church should have been split. Wow. Because wow. God is wow. supposed to be the leader of the church. And if man wants to hold on to control, they can take the group that will follow them and go. Wow. Wow. I'm wow. like, whoa. Like, I don't have the guts to say that, but God is the leader of the church. So that is my intercessory burden for the vineyard that they it's would incredible. they would as a movement i know there's vineyard churches and 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 i in in the leadership like even this year the leadership conference for the vineyard is come holy spirit that's awesome like that's, that's their awesome. theme and they're asking for god to move again in the vineyard like he did and i'm like yes that's come awesome Lord, let's, that's let's awesome. go for this let's let's see this thing happen yeah um, yeah and man. there's such a legacy in the vineyard with the, with their worship movement and really yeah. what they contributed and shaped i mean most of the stuff that we're doing right now in our worship has been made with everything from even uh bethel music to hillsong united mm -hmm. all, you know jesus culture all of that was birthed because of the forerunners within the vineyard movement yeah. that took worship um to like to this place of of where it was all about the presence it yeah. wasn't about the performance it was yeah. it was it was super simple like here you had these incredibly gifted in, in musicians that could play incredible com complicated compositions and they dialed it way back they brought it way 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 back in order to create music that anybody could that anybody yeah. could play and there's such a worship heritage in um, and deposit that the vineyard made. I know that worship is a huge part of your heart and something that mm. you've been kind of like revelating on. And I and, and that Lord's been showing you, giving you some different keys and stuff regarding even worship in, in heaven and, and, yeah. and, and the tribes and all. So John, what, what um, kind of pivoting here from, from vineyard and that to, to your desire to see worship you know connected between heaven and earth yeah. what kind of stuff are you are you learning right now and really kind of diving into and meditating on when it comes to the worship of heaven you know there's a there's a passage in revelation that ties into genesis because it's one book right mm. um it, it, it's talking i think it's in revelation chapter seven where he he sees in heaven he sees the throne he sees the 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 elders and the angels and then he sees this multitude from every tongue tribe and nation and he's like who, who are these and these are the ones that have been washed in the blood of the lamb and they have their garments cleansed and and so you, you have these redeemed that comes from every culture tribe and tongue culture tribe and tongue yeah yeah, yeah. And go back to genesis in genesis chapter 11 when the people had come together at babel and they were creating a tower that reached into the heavens and uh, the, I'm, I'll just throw out a question for people to ponder. Okay. Um, if that was about the height of the building, why are there skyscrapers? Yeah, yeah. Yep, it wasn't yep, about the yep. height. It was reaching in into heaven, not reaching up to heaven. Yeah, it's it was good. reaching it's into really heaven. Good. It's really good. They, they, they'd caught on something 
that because of their unity they were able to access because uh, of what God had placed into humankind. And speaking into heaven, not into the third heaven, but into the spirit realm, into the second heaven. Right. Well, you can't get into uh, that's the a third question. heaven that's without, a without the invitation from heaven itself. Through the way. So you can access the second heaven, but you can't access the first heaven. So they were accessing the, the third heaven. They were accessing the spirit world. They were accessing the spirit world. To go into it through some sort of gate or something. Through a gate. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Through something that they were building. Yeah. And so what God did is he separated the, the languages and he sent out all the tribes. And, and then in Genesis 11, it, it goes through 70 different people groups. And you, you can count through them. Uh, I, I was in Jerusalem a few years back, and there's a guy there I love to talk about, a lot, love to talk to. His name is Moshe. He, he, him and his brother run a Shorashim bookshop in the Jewish quarter of the old city. Uh, it's just awesome. so much fun. Awesome. He, he's so educated on Christianity, the charismatic movement, and um, every branch of Christianity and how it all fits together. But he's an Orthodox Jew. Huh. Um, he's, uh, he studies he studies, I mean, he studies the church, but he also, he really studies scripture. So he always has these cool things that he's <laughs> been studying and meditating. And one time he's talking about the 70 nations and the 70 people groups and how each of them were given an aspect of God's nature. Wow. And so God had given a piece of himself to each of these tribes and put it into the bloodline. And so each of them, they have an aspect of his nature and they have a redemptive gift, something that was because of who they were that that they were given that allows them to access spiritual things so now when all 70 of those come together that access gives full access into the heavenly realm interesting which interesting, is what was being separated so they had to be separated but together the unity allows that full access that's fascinating so those those were sent out now in deuteronomy um because I, I was trying to i keep on hearing lots of store um teaching on principalities, powers, angels, and so on. I always wondered, well, what did the first church, how, how did they talk about that? Yeah. And so I started studying what some of the early church fathers from the first four centuries of Christianity, you know, what did they teach on angels and that? And they would always go to this passage in Deuteronomy 32, where it says that God determined the borders of the nations according to the number of the sons of God. God determined the borders of the nations according to the number of the sons of God. Now, the hmm. sons of God are the heavenly beings. You go to Psalm 82 or Psalm 84, where the Lord sits in the divine council among the gods. Wow. wow. Even the wow. sons of the gods. Wow. And then he begins to bring them into judgment. Wow. Hey, I, I've given you authority over the nations, but you have not executed justice. And so you, even though you're gods, I'm going to kill you like a man. Wow. God says. Wow. 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 So he's clearly not talking to humans. He is talking to divine beings that are part of this heavenly council Crazy. Crazy. that are not accomplishing. So we, we have these, these people groups. We have this divine council. And that's where the Jews get the concept of 70 people to make the Sanhedrin. Interesting. This is crazy. Because yeah. the divine council, the council in heaven, the council on earth, there's 70. And so it had to represent each other. Wow. And so th this, whole, this whole piece, and I tie that back in. Every nation, which means every place of the earth, the borders of the nations were determined according to the numbers of the sons of God. God put a people group in each of those, spiritual authority, 
a spiritual gifting and something into their bloodline, but also something in the spiritual realm above them that all ties in together when all of them come together reveals the fullness of God's nature, but no one of them individually has the fullness of God's nature. Hmm. And for the worship, the full worship that's going to happen in heaven, it takes every tribe, tongue, and nation. When all 70 of those come together, each releasing the unique gift that God gave them, the unique expression of his nature that he put within them, the full worship that God deserves will finally happen. Wow, wow, And so wow. I, I've been exploring what is the sound, because sound always relates to spiritual activity. What's the sound that God put into the people of the nations? And you go to the different, the First Nations people, wherever, whatever place you go. I was just in Malaysia, and you have the Aboriginal, the indigenous mm -hmm. tribes that are there, mm -hmm. um, the Malays. and, and they have a sound that they have there there's like it's a it's like a metal gong but it's kind of it's not like just the the shield kind of shaped gong it, it's like a metal pot uh, so it's got depth to it interesting and it's kind of thick and they hit it with a stick and it has this really unique sound but they also have this this um instrument they play it looks like a huge longboat with these little gongs of different sizes each of them play a different note and they were playing while i was there we're, we're just in worship and spontaneously some of the indigenous people run up and they start playing wow on these instruments and this atmosphere of god came into the room it was insane because the sound that he put into the land into the blood of the people there was being released and the earth and the people that he puts in the earth agree together and that releases something in the heavens that opens up the heavens so we 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 reached an aspect of god's nature in that moment and i, and I know i've been to different places and whenever whenever the the sounds that god put into that people begin to be released their particular dance the particular sounds that they'll make in worship and the instruments that have given it always opens up something and I, there's a key to unlocking something for whatever ground you're in when the first nations people from that place begin to release their sound in worship to god it opens up something that can't be opened up any other way yeah that's so good that's so good and i think that um one of the things i'm thinking of is just the whole idea of like models models for ministry models where there are successful styles that you can take it um copy it and paste it in your own context and hope mm -hmm. that you can develop the same fruit that another particular ministry is has has developed you know right. mm -hmm. and i think that that's one of the one of the things where um, where we see where God is is moving is that there's almost like this discovery or this revelation of what you're of what you're talking about of that of of discovering that our our, our identity really really matters yeah. and in order for us to come into the us that God is forming and shaping then we have to discover our own sound because mm -hmm. that new sound will release that will, will be a celebration of our identity in Christ for for who yes. we are in our own indigenous um, thing here within the atmospheres that we're that we're under in and creating 
and so I think that um, I love successful models. I love successful sounds. I love I love listening to music and watching movies and being inspired and allowing those 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 um, ingredients to to shape what I'm creating. But I do think that there's I I, I so believe that we're going to see a move of God on the earth where where when you go to each hot spot when you go to each kind of apostolic hub and you go to each kind of expression each each kingdom expression will have its own indigenous kingdom yeah. sound and that means that we have to start being free to to capture and to experiment you know with yeah. with the sounds in, in our different houses yeah. and realize that it's okay to not sound like what's hip within exactly. within kind of the current pop worship yeah. scene well, one of the problems is the the American church specifically has so taken on British colonization that we colonize everything. <laughs> yeah. And so we take our model yep. and we go somewhere else and we begin to apply our model, not our principles, not our values. We apply our model and, and, and we try to make it into that shape because we know what success is because we're successful in our own eyes. Right, 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 right. Right, and we've we've got to stop that. I mean, we've got to stop that. I, I, I've done enough mission work in in different countries and talked to enough people in different countries to realize how much damage that that's been done. Where we have people that come in and because they have some success in their context, they come into a completely different context, different culture, different situation, and they begin to talk about how they need to change to do it like they did. And it's basically like saying, well, you can't be anointed unless you speak King James English. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because when I first got anointed, I was reading the King James Bible. And so that's the only thing that's really anointed. And so, you know, we, we get these, the, the model and, and we've got to be able to go past the model, the surface down into the heart and find the values. And then we, we, we can take those values and we can apply those values in any situation, in every situation. And they may look, they have a slightly different form because, but it's the same value. So it's the same DNA, but it's going to have a different shape because it's got to be shaped by the ingredients that are there. It's so good. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. I mean, it's so interesting if you look at like um, Seattle in the 90s and the sound the seattle right. sound that people still remember you know to to this day but then you go to new orleans and new orleans has its own sound you go to texas and texas is going to have its own sound right. so each region really does have its own distinctive kind of sound and that sound is created through community it's yeah. it's it's a community of individuals with shared experiences with with a similar set of values and they begin to collaborate with their passion right. to, to to communicate what's in the soil into the air like it's it is it, and music's so incredible isn't it as far as music's ability to um to communicate emotion without words per se like just right. the power of melody and rhythm and how that inspires and lifts up our soul it's yeah. so it's so incredible and to think that music is its own language and that every region has its own language yes. and that and and so i desperately want to see the church become 20 percent more creative than than <laughs> in its worship expression Come on. than than the local music scenes outside of the church you know yeah you know one of the things i've noticed in studying revivals and having visited different places where there's moves of god that, that are happening and being a part of part of that is every place that i personally know of 
there's always been a sound that's come out of it. Interesting. And, yeah. and there's songs that are written. And when, because when the Spirit of God begins to move, the hearts of the people have to be expressed, and their hearts are going to sound different than any other collection of hearts. And so that expression, and that expression will usually carry the presence of God more than anything else that happens hmm. in that area. Hmm. Hmm. And good. so, you know, you, you take a look at some of the early stuff that, that, that came out of the vineyard and the sound that was released. And, and it carried so much presence and so much. And you go to the early, early days of Hillsong and the level of presence. The, the, the music was good, but it wasn't as excellent as it is now. Sure, like sure. Their sure. level of excellence sure. is astounding. But the level of presence was so thick. You, you go to Toronto, there was such a unique sound that was being released in Toronto. And Pensacola it had its own oh sound. Oh my goodness, yeah. Every yeah. different place. You know, Bethel, as it began to see things begin to move and begin to, to rise up, Absolutely. it had a sound every place i've ever been it's true that it's has true. a move it's of true. god there's a sound that begins to rise up because what god has placed in the people begins to resonate with the locality because the we we're we're part of the earth whether we like it or not wow 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 and so there's an interaction between earth there's a reason that we've missed because we think of the earth as a thing mm-hmm <laughs> but the prophets were told to prophesy to the earth. Jeremiah prophesied to the hills. Ezekiel, go prophesy to the mountains of Israel, O son of man, and tell the mountains that you will once again yield your strength to people. You will once again have people walking on you. They will once again sow on you, and you will yield fruit to them. He's prophesying to the hills. He's prophesying to the mountains. That's so good. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. I mean, I even think of like, I've been thinking a lot on um, Mark chapter 16 in the Great Commission as it's fra- yeah. framed out Mark chapter 16. All creation. Go everywhere in good news, everything. Yeah. You know, all creation, which yeah. is really, really interesting. It's not just make disciples of nations. Let's go everywhere in good news, everything. Like yeah. everything. Yeah. Anatomy, object, nouns, people, places, things. I mean, I just think that's, it's such an invitation yeah. to the church to start thinking outside of the box as far as. Right. The, the other thing I've been thinking a lot was, is that whole idea of to preach, which actually means to publish. Right. So go, so, and, and I've been thinking a lot about like this whole invitation that we would be j- journalists, that we would be media creators that media is just any sort of mass communication mm-hmm. of, of the actual storyline right of Come redemption on. and restoration so like whatever your platform looks like whatever your passion looks like whether it's poetry or it's teaching in a public school classroom whether it's singing you know or you're right. an IT guy that you have a platform that you have the story of Christ Jesus and that you are to be publishing to go everywhere and to publish to make known right yeah. this incredible so yeah and not just to people but to all creation all that we creation. would go i mean it's it's such an awesome invitation yeah to begin to create 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 build 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 dude and there, there's so many stories about how creation responds to the proclamation wow. of the gospel wow 
I, I, th- this was a number of years ago, and this is one of those weird stories, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you sweet, what sweet. happened. We like weird stories, John. <laughs> Good. I'll just tell you what happened. I'm not telling you what it means. You figure that out for yourself. Just slap on some extra weird, John. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 when I was living in Arizona, I used to love going to model houses just to look at them, because it's just sure. fun. I mean, I, I used to be a builder, and so okay. you know, how they put the rooms and decorations and dreaming, I was you know, wanting... You know, we were in a house, but, you know, it was always dreaming about, you know, what would it be like, you know, this, this sure, place. So sure. it was just a fun thing to do. One day I'm doing that. I come out of a house. And when I come out of a house, about as far as me to that camera right there, um, there's a hummingbird hovering facing me. And I just, I just stop and it stops and it's looking straight at me. I'm looking straight at it. And I just decide it needs to hear the gospel. <laughs> come on. And so I start preaching to it about the kingdom of God and how God is going to come back. He, he's redeeming. He's watching over everything. He knows every feather that the Lord is going to provide for it, make sure that it has food. And, you know, I'm taken out of, ser- out of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and, and that the king is going to come back. He's going to make everything right. I began to, to ask the Lord to bless this bird, to protect it from predators, to, to provide for it, to give it peace. And it stayed there for like three or four minutes while I preached to it. <laughs> and as soon as I finished preaching, it flew away. Wow. But it hovered right there and looked at me and listened to the proclamation you, the whole time. You didn't lead it into the sinner's prayer? I didn't lead it into the sinner's prayer. No, no, you should be like now. Pray, pray after me, hummingbird. <laughs> See, after no, me. Well, I don't, I, I don't know that creation can get saved like mankind does. Creation is waiting for us to get saved because they come into what we come into. Wow, wow. that's Romans chapter wow. eight. Wow, yeah, it all is. creation is longing and groaning for the revealing of the manifestation of the sons of God. We get the salvation. We're the first fruits of the restoration of all things. And as the full number of believers, of people that get restored, then creation can come into the restoration that we come into. Yeah, that's so awesome. We have friends in Australia, right on the Gold Coast in Australia, and, and he was just like a part, he was like a part, he was a thug, you know, and his dog was a was a pit bull. And, um, and he would go around beating people up, man, you know, like this guy, and like, and he, he had this convertible, and his pit bull would, would ride in the back of the car, and if he gave the command he, that people would jump out of the car jump into somebody else's car right through their window maul them jump out of their car and back into his car right so this was just a vicious vicious dog right wow. <laughs> just vicious just a killer and when when peter got saved his dog supernaturally converted and there was this new shalom and peace that came on his dog right not that the dog converted but something inverted you know when 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 peter got saved there well he has dominion we were given dominion over creatures and so he's taken responsibility for that dog so his dominion extends to that dog interesting 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 the dog changes interesting man that's awesome yeah and how does that tie into us taking dominion over like creation like what like how does that tie in like do you think that our role as sons uh, of god on the earth that we can actually like that that we can actually change the dynamics of creation on the earth i I think there's aspects that's a big that's a big thing well there's a question but there is it is (laughs) i I think there's aspects of enhancing i i don't think that we have okay 
we've been given authority to do within the authority that God established. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't get to violate natural laws whenever we want to. God created them for a purpose, and we need to understand that purpose and the right and the wrong time to um, change that purpose. Now, there are supernatural activities that God does periodically, but He has natural laws that He's built in. Yeah, so we, we have to realize that if we, if we make it rain here because it hasn't rained for a period of time, where are we taking the rain from? Right, right, right. Who right, else is right, going to go right. into a drought so that we can get the rain that we want? Like we, we've got to realize there, there's a cost to those things that we do and how is it going to affect the rest of creation when we do those? We, we've got to be aware of those dynamics. So we can't just be flipping about it. That's really interesting. I mean, that, that ties into something that J uh, Jamie Galloway just posted recently on how we can override the will of God with our, with our prayer. Right. Well, I mean, that's, so, um, you know, Smith Wigglesworth, one of the famous stories after his wife died, he was off preaching. She told him, you better finish preaching because God sent you, even though she was sick. So mm. he, she dies while he's gone. He comes back like a day or two later. I can't remember exactly how long it was, at, but she's dead. She's left on the bed because he told him, make sure, you know, leave her there. He comes home and he begins to command her to rise from the dead. And after a while of him commanding and not letting go, <laughs> like she comes back to life and she says, Smith. Jesus said, it's time for me to go. You need to let me go. Wow. Wow. And so wow. he had to let her die again. Wow. Wow. That's Jesus amazing. wanted her dead. That's amazing. But he could resurrect her. He had to let her go. And that's probably all he needed to hear. That's all he needed to hear. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But th th there's a powerful kind of, because um, oftentimes we think that just because we're praying, that, that, that prayer in and of itself is enough protocol. But especially as we step into more and more um, understanding of our authority, there needs to be, there needs to be more responsibility to actually be hearing God's voice before we start warring in a place of prayer. Right. Right. Because if we begin to use our spiritual authority selfishly, interesting. interesting. If we begin to use it for our own benefit. And Jesus gives this uh, parable of a, of a steward. So house, the steward of the household would be in charge of all of the goods in the household, but also would get, be the manager of all the household servants. Mm -hmm. So they'd be kind of the, the boss, if you will. So a steward, the master's gone. While the master's gone, he begins to, to eat and drink, get drunk, mm -hmm. and to beat the other slaves. So he's just doing whatever he wants to do. He's just fulfilling his own desires. Mm -hmm. And it's all about him. Yeah. Yep, right. And yep. the master comes back and it's one of the more <laughs> brutal parables Jesus ever gave. It says he cuts him in pieces. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he's going to take seriously, like you're, you're going to use my stuff on your own benefit wow. at the expense of others. Wow. There is a price that you will pay for it. Wow. You are a steward. You're not an owner. We're stewards. We're not owners. Everything that, of the authority that we have, the, the influence that we have, the spiritual power that we have, it's God's and we have to use it according to His ways because we don't own it. But we have the right to use it and so we can use it outside of His ways because He's entrusted us. 
But if we violate that, we end up losing what we have. Interesting. So let's talk about this for a second. Using our authority, there's so much um, uh, literature coming out from from amazing, amazing people on our authority, on the on the power of prayer, on right. on the resources, on heaven's. Um, uh, I just got Patricia's new book. haven't Haven't read it yet, but on heaven's the uh, 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 keys to unlocking the lavish blessings of the, of the Father. And, and right. most of us, when we read these kinds of books, um, unfortunately, we're not thinking about unlocking heaven's resources for the betterment of our city. First, primarily, we're thinking mm-hmm. about meeting and satisfying our our natural needs right. first, primarily, and then with the abundance, then going and blessing people within our community and with our within our city. Right. right. So my question, because this is such a fascinating conversation of this whole thing of of using our prayer, prayer, using our authority um, to unlock blessing that's selfish. Um, and so really defining selfishness and is it okay to seek God and use a prayer and authority in order to unlock blessing within our own lives to satisfy the, the desires and the places within our heart? Is that okay? And, right. and, and how do we define um, selfishness and how do we discern selfish motive within our own hearts right yeah I mean boy we, we could talk forever <laughs> well because, because yeah. here's the thing is it right to use your authority to get something for yourself yes it, it is is it always right no okay it is not always right but it is right okay it's okay to be blessed and Paul said you don't muzzle an ox while it's threshing the wheat mm-hmm Right. I mean, so you, when you're doing stuff, you're supposed to expect to get something out of it for yourself. Okay. If you're working for the kingdom, there there is an expectation of there being reward, of there being blessing. And Jesus, that's not selfish. That's, that's just not selfish. That's just. That's the way that God made it. That's a law. That's a, <laughs> that's law. a principle. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, there, there's there's a that God is lavish in His blessing. He, he He says over and over and over again how how He would take people to account because they've withheld the wages from their workers. Mm-hmm. Would he withhold wages from his workers? No way. No, yeah. no way. Not yeah. when he's, he's telling people, hey, you've done this, now right. I'm going to punish you for right. it. There's no right. way that he would do it. Right. And so as we're going about the kingdom business, we should expect to have everything that we need. Seek first his, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to it. That's really good. Now, really good. if you seek first all these other things, you're living as a Gentile, mm-hmm. you won't get the kingdom, you won't get the righteousness, and you may get some stuff, but it won't last long. That's really good. It's really good. But if you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, you should expect the stuff to come along with it. Okay, that's really good. Yeah, yeah it's really good. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation because we're stepping into so much more understanding and there and we're seeing the, the benefits and the fruit of that. Yeah. And yet there's always the temptation. Um, there's always that place of temptation of 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 why are you seeking after this? Why are you praying after this? Why are you so is there a lust for is there a are you lusting after something and using your authority to kind of go after it mm-hmm. and unto what end? And so these conversations are really, really important you as know. we're, as we're stepping into more of, more of a supernatural, a truly supernatural culture within the kingdom. I, I, I will make a suggestion that you probably would never expect. Okay. <laughs> John Piper, John Piper, my man, John Piper, my man, John Piper has this amazing teaching on Christian hedonism. Yes. Yes. That principle, if we understand that principle, we'll understand how it works. 
Yeah, Piper. He he. he God is the most glorified in us when we are the most, most satisfied, satisfied in Him. In him. Yeah. And so we should we should look for we should work for rewards. Interesting. Because Interesting. God created us to be reward based. Interesting. That's how He created. That's a us. part of our wiring. That's that not. Is, a, that's not a part of our depravity. Right. That's not a part of the law. That's a part of our wiring. Interesting. And so we, we very need helpful. that because God, God actually uses that. I mean, Jesus talks about the rewards. You know, Peter's like, hey, wait a second. We've given up everything to follow you. And, and, and Jesus is like, yeah, I know. You're not, you're not going to be without. You're not only going to get all that stuff back in the kingdom to come. But you're going to get it now, too. If you've given up houses, if you've given up family, if you've given up this for my sake, you'll receive it back and also in the kingdom to come. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. And I think there's also something here, um, and we can kind of wrap up with this, but just this whole thing also, where you can go to the negative and using your authority for selfish means, right. but also for the most part, the majority of the church probably isn't even scratching the surface yeah. as far as what's available in the place of right. prayer, in the place of our authority. Yeah. And so hopefully we are actually inspiring people to, to diligently seek after the kingdom yeah. of God and his righteousness so and all these things that are added right. onto it and, and not just putting up caution tape as all over the place saying whoa, whoa, whoa care, don't whoa, right. whoa, don't seek after whoa, you know yeah. careful brother you yeah. know well I'll, I'll share I'll share another <laughs> testimony that'll please give do, you this, please this do. principle yeah. so about 15 years ago uh, me and Donna were getting ready to move from Arizona to New Hampshire and we're getting rid of a lot of stuff because we're moving across the country. Sure. And one of the things we had, we had this car. It was a great car. Nothing wrong with it. Worked fine. And instead of selling it, we, we felt like we were supposed to give it away. Awesome. So awesome. we knew a single mom desperately needed a vehicle. We gave her the car. Awesome. Here, you know, we want to bless you. Gave her the car. Didn't think anything of it. Wasn't doing it because we were trying to get anything. We mm -hmm. just, there was a need. We had provision. We met the need. Awesome. About 10 years ago, we were pastoring in Boston. There was a single mom. Actually, no, sorry, single woman. Not She was not okay. a mother. Single yeah. woman that was part of our church. She was driving an hour and 45 minutes each way to get to church every Sunday. Her car broke wow. down. Wow, wow, wow. And she was like, she was part of our DNA. She, like, she was, you know, she was really going after it. And I just felt like I'm supposed to give her my car. And I had this car I loved. You know? sure, it was, it was sure. so much fun to drive. Sure. It was a little, it was a little Beetle, one of the new Beetles. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those things are yeah. actually, they're pretty fun to drive. I've never driven, driven one. I've never driven one. Yeah. It, it, it was enjoyable. Man. Yeah. And curves, like it just, you did know, you have the, speed. did you have the little um, fake sunflower in it? I, in the little, because don't they have little I, vases? I had, for the little, I had the little vase, but I didn't actually have anything in it. I took the vase out and set it aside. But, <laughs> sweet, sweet, sweet. I could just see you driving around, right, with a little oh, yeah, sunflower. Oh, little yellow flower. <laughs> you know. No. Um, but, so we, so we gave her the car. You gifted that. That's didn't, awesome. Didn't think anything of it. Yeah. You know, that was, you know, we were, I, I think I, I probably, at the point, I, I might have prayed something about, you know, hey, you know, Lord, this is, this is a gift to you. Sure, you know, I, sure. I know that you sure, give back. Sure. But never thought of it again. So last Christmas, we have this couple that comes and and you know we're getting together with them and they're they're talking to me and donna and say hey you know we, we feel like god has asked us to pay for your car insurance for a year and i'm thinking 
wow like that is awesome yeah that's amazing that's great and they're like well but if we're going to pay for your car insurance for a year uh, for a year we felt like we were supposed to have a car you were supposed to have a car to insure so we bought you a car because you didn't have a car prior to this no we had a car you you had had two cars you had one we each had a car but they felt like you needed a better one (laughs) they they didn't feel that they they just felt like god wanted them to buy us a car okay awesome awesome thank you jesus i know like no it gets better okay so they take us they take us you know to the top of this parking garage and the husband goes and gets the car standing up there with the family and i'm thinking you know great i mean toyota corolla like this is awesome you know nissan <laughs> like we're gonna get a good car yeah, yeah, nice yeah. i'm sure it's gonna be nice it's gonna be practical you know probably off lease you know forty thousand miles that, that's what that's what i'm thinking in yeah. my head and I hear this engine. I'm thinking, like we've been hearing throughout the the podcast today. Yes, yes, that <laughs> similar. But and I'm I'm like, man, somebody's got a nice car. I actually said it out loud, and they kind of laughed, and I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. But you know, less than a minute later, starts driving around, and it's this brand new 2018 Ford Mustang GT 5.0. Wow! Wow! Brand new, and completely gifted <laughs> yeah man it just it sounds so good it's so much fun now what's what's crazy is i have a few different times over the last couple of years i i love cars okay. i just i okay. really okay. enjoy them i have fun driving them yep. i love yep. looking at them i love classic cars and so i've just been dreaming hey you know one of these days when with no expectation of it ever happening and i go onto ford's website and i build out the mustang and i thought about the camaro and i thought about the challenger and but i just i wanted the ford mustang yeah, that's yeah. the one that i wanted and i built the gt spec'd it out exactly how i wanted it this car was the exact car that i dreamt about wow but John. didn't even have the faith to ask for wow that's incredible but he had seen now we'd sought first his kingdom sought first his righteousness it wasn't for our benefit it wasn't in manipulate i wasn't trying to make anything no, happen no, no but he saw is that cool and he will never be in debt to anyone that's and incredible. so he provided the dream of my heart that i didn't even have the faith to ask for that's and incredible. he just put it on their heart they didn't ask us what car god told them what car that's awesome that's incredible that's incredible yeah man i love that i love that god is so good isn't he god is so faithful of god it's just his lavishness he just wanted to lavish his love on us and and you're driving that car all the time oh man i am yeah yeah worshiping jesus in in your (laughs) just bumming out the neighbors huh yep is it it's it's real real loud huh i know it's pretty sweet man yeah that's awesome sweet i'm glad you're not my neighbor right like all my neighbors are are old yeah and they got little they got just real you know predictable um nice quiet cars cars. (laughs) yeah no this is not the nice quiet car (laughs) that's awesome like when i drive into the garage my wife hears me coming home and it's not the garage opening and closing it's like before the garage even starts to open she hears she hears me coming yeah the car the car the car is singing you know the the car is worshiping the lord yeah you know that's so cool john it's awesome man this has been such a great conversation and we've dived into all kinds of stuff man but i just i just appreciate just um the fresh the fun um as well as just that 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 desire to to 
build supernaturally but on a biblical yeah. solid foundation so that the fruit is healthy and good and i also just also appreciate just your pastoral background and just your love for the body of christ your love for people your love for leaders um um you're you're the real deal man just appreciate Thank the friendship you. with you and and just looking forward to this weekend and just everything yeah. that you're depositing here into seattle so um thanks again man for creating this time and diving into this and you're welcome awesome Dude, so good awesome awesome yeah. and we'll, we'll, do, we'll do it again awesome okay bless you yeah. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market, and I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible, and you're so supportive, and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take Take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.